Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. Come on, he's so good, isn't he? Excellent. Why don't you grab your seats? Such a great atmosphere of faith every time uh, I come to this church. I love it. Such a hungry church. Am I right? It's a hungry church. Responsive church. There you go. And uh, you can always feel, it's, it's great. I get to go to churches all over the world. And, and uh, really, just from the moment you're walking, you just sense God's presence in this place. And, and your hunger and expectation. Um, we, uh, we did. We just moved to America. Uh, we were there for about three months. Uh, we went in August. Uh, just by faith, we've been itinerants for about five years, traveling uh, from Australia, but all over the world. Um, it's the biggest step of faith we've ever, ever taken in our lives. Uh, I wish we were going to America because we were so in demand, you know, that we should move there. Uh, but really, we've got hardly any invitations, but God said go, and uh, we're going. And uh, so we, we've lived there for three months, come back uh, just for about nine weeks to sort out our visas. We've got our visas, so in January, we head back full time. Uh, just from three months living there, uh, I'm, I'll always be an Aussie at heart, but uh I'm actually legitimately now 6% American. The reason I'm 6% American is because when I went in August, I was about 102 kilograms, but now I'm about 109. So 6% was actually born legitimately in America. I don't know if they'll let me get a passport because of that. Uh, It could just have a photo of my belly on it. Anyway, uh, but I'm trying to kill that American part. in 2017, in Jesus' name. Uh, uh, many will have heard my story, if you haven't. I was uh, mentally ill, drug-induced psychosis, uh, on drugs for about, uh, what, t- about 10 years of my life. Uh, radically, radically got saved through an auntie's prayers. And, uh, you know, God delivered me of mental illness, addiction. One encounter with Jesus changed everything. And, and uh, like I said, now I've been traveling for five years. Uh, I was a campus pastor before that. I've got a little bit of resource. I'm not going to talk about it long. Uh, but this one in particular is, it's my story. This is called To Hell and Back. Uh, this was the first thing I ever made was because every time I'd go to churches, I'd get grandmas, mums, dads, aunties, uncles that would come in with tears in their eyes saying, I wish so-and-so could have been here to hear your story today. And uh, so this one more is for you to buy to give to someone else. Uh, if you know that they'll connect with a story of mental illness or addiction, I've had so many people email me that have fully got born again through listening to this testimony. Uh, I've had people ring me that tell me they were crying the whole way through it, but gave their lives back to Jesus. So that one's called To Hell and Back. Uh, There's a few others here. This one's called Think Your Way Free. About, you know, it's one thing to have an encounter, but then it's about staying free, which comes about the way that you think. When you change what you think, you stay free. Uh, There's a heap of others, one on fear called Fear Not. There's a USB that are normally 55, but they're only 40. And uh, they've got about 15 different messages uh, on them. So uh, I feel like that could be a real blessing. Uh, I want to talk today uh, about faith. And, you know, I could have easily bought sort of a Christmas message. where, but, but as an itinerant, God downloads things and they're the things that I carry. And we're living this. Do you know what I mean? Like this is not just my favorite message. Uh, we are living the, the greatest faith journey that we've ever lived. It's the most scary faith thing we've ever done. And... Uh, and so I want to talk a bit about that. Um, but I can't really use the example of the, the faith journey I'm in now because I'm not through the other side yet. That'll be next time I come back. Uh, but uh, if I was to go back five years ago, I remember God speaking to us. We were the campus pastors on the Sunshine Coast, which was actually the church that uh, your senior pastors were, senior pastors there, uh, Budrum AOG it was called, wasn't it, back then? And so we were the campus pastors and and really, as a young guy, I was about 34. Uh, it was a great church. It was King's before I got there. It was a big church, big building. Uh, I had a car, a full-time wage, living on the Sunshine Coast, really living the pastor's dream. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, Lucas, I want you to step away from your paid pastoral position and just go on the road wherever I call you to go. And, and I talked to my senior pastor, James McPherson, and we both felt this was a God thing. And and so I sort of gave six months, you know, to get the new guy in and that kind of thing. And I remember about three months before I was about to finish up being paid and, and go on the road. And I remember the nights for about three months where almost every single night 
uh, fear would just attack me and just nip at my heels and you know, fear would just come and say, well, well, what if you can't pay your mortgage? And well, what if you don't earn enough money? And well, what if no one invites you to come and preach? Or, or even worse, what if you preach somewhere and it's the worst message that's ever been preached in the whole nation and everybody puts it on Instagram and Facebook and you're finished? And, 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 but I'm being real, every night I would just sit there and fear would just nip at my heels. And I remember... You know, it's been a crazy journey because, you know, for five years I've literally been all over the world preaching some of the greatest churches on the planet and have literally seen thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people give their lives to Jesus for the very first time. I have seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of crazy miracles. I've seen uh, a lady with depression of 22 years lift off in one moment. Uh, 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 many other people with depression and anxiety and every kind of addiction. Uh, probably my favorite story, a, a lady uh, maybe a year or so ago, and I was at a little sort of encounter weekend. It's about 30 people and just people believing for breakthrough. And uh, the leaders told me this lady was coming who had major anxiety. And she had two beautiful little daughters and was married. And her anxiety was so bad that for a two-year period, she could hardly leave her house. She was almost stuck in her house for two years. And she came and I got to meet her before the, the session started and we chatted and she then shared her story with me and she said, it's a miracle that I'm even here with the anxiety that I suffer to come to an event like this. And so it gets to the point where I do my first session and they all write some stuff down that they're letting go of and throw it into a bin and then go and find a quiet place to worship and I would come and pray. And Of the 30 people, I went to her first because in my mind, I know what the problem is. She's already told me it's anxiety, so I'm going to pray for that anxiety to leave. And as I'm walking toward her, as clear as day, I hear the Holy Spirit speak to me and he says, Lucas, anxiety is not the problem. It's what her dad did to her when she was a little girl. And, and now I'm freaking out, you know, because your heart's beating, because what if I'm wrong? And, 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 and she's got her eyes closed and I say, hey, look, this is what I feel the Holy Spirit is saying and you've got to test to see whether it's right. And, and as her eyes are closed, I said, I felt him say to me that actually anxiety is not the issue, but it's what your dad did to you when you're a little girl. And, as soon as I said those words, the floodgates opened and she began to weep uncontrollably. And then I saw this picture so clear of God the Father and He was holding her and holding her, her head against His chest as she wept. And I shared this picture and now she starts to cry even more uncontrollably. And I prayed for a little while and other ladies came to pray and I moved on to pray for other people. And at the end of the service, we're sitting having hot chocolate late at night and she comes and says, Lucas... She said, you're not going to believe it, but when I was two years old, she said, my mother abandoned us. She left us with our stepdad. She said, he sexually abused me my whole childhood. She said, I've sort of been in and out of church coming here and there. She said, but the one thing that I could never get whenever they talked about it is I could never, ever see God as a loving father. And then as tears started to stream down her cheeks, she said, you know, Lucas, tonight I saw him for the first time as my loving dad. And that lady's been completely set free from anxiety, hasn't had one single bit in the last year and a half or so. I now get to watch her on Facebook and she's at children's birthday parties. She's at the beach living life to the full. She doesn't just run, uh, she doesn't just, isn't just on the welcome team at church. She now runs the welcome team at her church because there's no more anxiety. And, and as I think back to that time five years ago, I can't help but to think, imagine if I had never gone. Imagine, I mean, I was already doing stuff for God. Imagine if I just, the fear was too much and I said, no, I, I can't do it. Imagine the people that needed what was in me, but not just them, what they would have missed out. Imagine the adventure that I would have missed out on. By God's grace, I've got to go all over the world and go to some great places. And as I think about this thought, I start to think that, and I'm sure it'll be true for you, that in life, more often than not, when we look back to the most fruitful times of our lives, it comes back to a risk. It came back to a moment where you did something different. It came back to a moment where you took a little bit of a risk. You rolled the dice. You started that business or, or, or you asked that girl out even though you thought she may have rejected you but maybe now you're married to her. You, you had children, even though you felt like you might not have been ready. You got involved in a ministry or went back to university or, or maybe went to Bible college or started some kind of ministry. 
So often, more than not, it's, it's, you know, life changes the most and we look back to those pivotal moments, but there were moments where we took a faith risk. You know the story of Peter, I'm going to look at it in a moment, where Peter, uh, they see Jesus and he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me to come and he steps out of the boat and he walks on water, he does the impossible. He eventually takes his eyes off Jesus, but Jesus graciously grabs him out of the boat, out of the water and puts him back on the boat and... It's an incredible story. God gave me this, this word with this particular message, this prophetic statement that I'm about to say. And it's sort of, it's how the whole message came out of this. And in a little bit, I'll also give you a word picture that he gave me as he gave me this statement. And the statement is this. Most water walking experiences eventually become your boat. Most water walking experiences will eventually become your boat. See, what do I mean by that is what once was a full-on water-walking experience. Like, I, I don't know how to uh, run a business, or I don't know how to do marriage, or I don't know how to look after children, or I don't know how to do this ministry. What once starts out as a water-walking experience, and you so need God, eventually becomes your place of comfort. It becomes your place of safety. It becomes your normal. Because we're called to go from faith to faith. We grow into the thing that, uh, you know, that God has called us to. I, I know for us, uh, with that, what I, that story that I shared, when we were first out of the boat, it's like, well, what if I don't get invited? But if I'm to be honest with you, in the last, say, two years when we were within Australia, that itinerant lifestyle that other people would say is a lifestyle of faith, for us it was a place of comfort. We sort of knew we could fill our calendar. We knew we would earn enough money. So what was a water-walking experience eventually became our boat. I want to ask this particular question. Because there were 12 people in the boat and only one walked on water. And my question is this, because 12 people, they all loved Jesus. Let's just pretend Judas did. They all loved Jesus. They were all men of faith. Every one of them, including Judas, had left their vocation to follow the call of God. So they, were, they loved Jesus, they were men of faith, they were all leaders, they were all servants. So why was it that, that 12 men that were full of faith, loved Jesus, uh, loved uh, the church, were servants, why was it that only one hopped out of the boat and walked on water? And what was it that kept 11 inside the boat? And don't we have just the same thing, that we can have 12 business people in a church and 11 of them are good people, they love God, they, 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 you know, they're, they're faith people at times, but often there's that one, that with his business, he just keeps walking on water, he keeps seeing miracles happen, going to the next level and the next level. You, you can see 12 mums and, and 11 of them are good people, they love God, they love the church, but there's that one mum that just keeps walking on water, keeps seeing miracles happen. And, and I want to ask that question, what was it that caused the one to step out of the boat? But before I answer the question, I want to work the text backwards, and we're going to eventually answer the question, but I'll make some observations before we get to the answer. If we look at verse 32 and 33 of Matthew 14, I think we've got it on the screen. Remember, this is the end of the story, okay? I'm working it backwards. I told you what the story was. It says, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those, see, Peter had fallen, they climbed back in the boat because Jesus grabbed him. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Just an observation. Every single time a human being steps out of the boat and walks on water, the result is always other people worshipping Jesus and declaring that truly he is the Son of God. See, we need you to be walking on water because the people of Harvey Bay that don't know Jesus, they don't have a physical Jesus to see themselves. They've just got you. And they need to see your lifestyle that you would walk on water, do the impossible, and it will always end with other people worshipping and saying, truly, He is the Son of God. See, it's so easy to sing about all that Jesus can do, but God wants us to be people that show the world all that Jesus can do. The second thing, the second thing is in verse, we find it in verse 30 and 31. It says this, but when he saw the wind, this is Peter, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, I love that word, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You had little faith. He said, why did you doubt? I love that this is included because we live in a world today of social media 
where all we see is other people's highlights. It's just the highlight reel of everybody's lives. See, think about it. If this happened in today's time, we never would have seen the Instagram shot of Peter sinking. Would we? All we would have seen was the selfie with him walking on water, Jesus in the background. Do you know what I mean? Hashtag, who needs a surfboard, right? That's, that's all we would have seen. We wouldn't have seen the part that he sunk. But I love that this is included because it tells me that I can be a flawed human being that doesn't always get it right. But even though I make mistakes, Jesus didn't come and say, well, Peter, your destiny's finished, buddy. You messed up. It says immediately he picked him up and he put him back on the boat. See, I love that that's included. Because I know for me, I'm not someone that always looks at Jesus 100% of the time. I have moments of weakness. And then in verse 29, it, it says, come. That's when Peter said, come. To, he, Jesus said to Peter, come. And Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came towards Jesus. And if you've been in church a little while, you've heard a message about the Rima Word of God. And to do the impossible, you've got to hear Jesus say, come. There's got to be a moment where the Spirit speaks and and you might have heard people say that what really kept Peter above the water were the words that Jesus spoke in come. It was him stepping on that word that Jesus spoke that enabled him to do the impossible. It's a good truth. It's a biblical truth. But I want to show you something in just a moment because so often we get so stuck on this point And so often people can live their whole lives in the boats. But it's Jesus' fault because he never said come. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Here's the answer in verse 28. The thing that made Peter different to all of the other 11 is when they saw Jesus walking, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. See, the simple fact is why Peter stepped out of the boat and the other 11 didn't, is because Peter had a spirit that said, call me to come. Peter had a spirit on the inside that said, God, I'm not content just living in this boat. I'm, I'm called to step out of the He had a spirit that said, call me to come. See, think about it. Well, like going back to that point, so often people get bogged down whether or not Jesus said come. It's a true principle. You, if you're going to do a miracle, you need to hear the words come. But I can't control whether or not Jesus says come. That's out of my control. That's his prerogative. But what I can control is whether or not I have a spirit, an adventurous spirit that keeps saying, come on, call me to come. I'm on the planet to do something for the king. I can control that spirit. And when you have a spirit that says, call me to come, more often than not, you'll hear the words come. Let me give you a practical example. When it comes time to give a, a miracle offering or a building offering to do something in the community or the church, if you go home and you say, God, I've given in the past, I've taken some steps of faith, but you start praying, God, I want to give the biggest seed that I've ever given in, in my entire life. What's that called? That's called having a spirit that says, call me to come. And you say, come on, God, I want to do something so crazy. More often than not, you'll hear the words, come. But we normally don't hear it because we're not praying a prayer like that. You understand what I'm saying? You can control having a spirit that says, call me to come. And when you have a spirit like that, more often than not, he'll say, come. You know, I really don't believe that Peter walked on water because of predestination. See, what I mean is if Andrew had have got in first and said, no, no, Jesus, call me to come. I don't think Jesus was going to say, well, I'm sorry, Andrew. But Peter is predestined to walk on water, sit back down. <laughs> See, I believe they could have had the first ever Olympian, uh, Olympian synchronized water walking team. They could have joined hands together and all of them, come on, boys, let's do this for the Olympics. But only one of them had a spirit that said, call me to come. Only one of them had that faith spirit that said, come on, I'm on the planet to do something incredible for God. Let me quickly give you three things that kept the 11 in the boat and often keep us, me included, in the boat. And then I'll counteract each point with how Peter was a little different. The first thing that kept the 11 in the boat was simply the comfort of the boat. Who knows that when you're out at sea and it's dark and that boat is, you know, kicking around, who knows that, that that wooden sturdy deck makes you feel pretty comfortable? Those nice bench seats, that underground part where you can go and lay down makes you feel pretty comfortable. 
See, it was the comfort of the boat that stopped them. Remember I told you God gave me that prophetic statement. Most water walking experiences eventually become your boat. At the same time, he gave me this word picture, and it was simply this. That when you step out in faith, when you step out of a boat and you walk on water, and you, you're like, man, I don't know how to do this, but I had a spirit that said, call me to come, and he said, come. So here I am. And eventually, that becomes your boat. The picture he gave me is that each time you step out, more often than not, is the next boat is a little bit bigger. Because you've taken steps of obedience, now there's a little bit more blessing. There's a little bit more influence. The favor of God is a little greater, so the boat becomes a little bit more comfortable. And the older you get in life, you can get to a point where it's like, well, I really like this boat. I like the house we've got. I like where our kids are at. I don't really want to step out of this boat because I'm too comfortable in the boat. See, for us going to America, the boat we were in before we left was the most comfy boat we'd ever had. We were earning the most income that we've ever earned. We were living on the Sunshine Coast. We had a beautiful home, four bedrooms, swimming pool, not a mansion or anything, but a nice home. We, 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 you know, we, were, we were comfortable. We liked the boat that we were living in. But Jesus said, come. And now we're living in a much smaller place. But you know what? I wasn't going to let the comfort of this boat stop us from going to the next level where God wants us to go. So, so often we get to a place where we stop stepping out because we're too comfortable with the boat that we already have. I remember, uh, see, it's, uh, you know, when I first uh, stepped out in faith and we were youth pastors and we we're both working jobs. So the church was paying us $50 a week. And so we, we felt God tell us to quit our jobs. And we lived on $50 a week for 12 months. We were given more than $35,000 of unexpected finances that paid for that entire year. And people say, wow, you guys are incredible people of faith. And yes, it's true in a sense. But think about it like this. We were 23. We didn't have children. We hardly had any responsibilities. We were renting somebody else's house. So what was the worst that was going to happen? Do you know what I'm saying? We move in with our mother-in-law. And yes, that's pretty bad. <laughs> but think about it. Do you get what I'm saying? We didn't have much to lose. We didn't have much. Where would we just go back to where we already were anyway? Just go and get jobs and keep renting someone else's house. See, but the more you go, the more you step out, the more comfy the boat becomes. Because of the stepping out, you can so get to a point where you go, no, this boat's too comfortable. I'm just going to sit here for the rest of my existence. But God's got so much more for you. God's got a bigger boat that he wants you to step in. He's got more influence. He's got more blessing as we keep stepping out. How was Peter different? Because for them it was the comfort. Peter was different in the sense that he had a conviction that he was called for more. See, Peter enjoyed the comfort. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the comfort and the blessing. long as the comfort doesn't have you. See, Peter enjoyed the comfort, but there was a conviction on the inside that no matter how old he got, there was something that said, I'm on the planet and I'm called for more. There's something that I'm here to do. I'm called for more. He had that spirit. You know, I remember when I, I moved from the Gold Coast and finally I was there for about eight years and finally we got paid for being the youth pastors and became the youth alive director on the gold coast and started to get invited to preach at different youth groups and camps and you know got a car and that kind of thing and i remember james mcpherson moved to townsville and we felt the holy spirit say i want you to go and help james mcpherson and who knows that to move from the gold coast to townsville it's got to be god like when we were in Townsville and James called us in and said, hey, I'd like you guys to go to the Sunshine Coast and run the camps. We're like, yeah, we feel good about that. And, and that was it. You know, like, yeah, God's on that. And, uh, but when he says go from the Gold Coast to Townsville, you're like, you're praying, you're fasting. You're... And I spoke to James. I said, we feel called to come and help. And he says, man, I would love for you to come. He said, I've got the exact job that I want you to do for me. He said, the only problem is it's in 12 months. I can't pay you until that job starts, which is in 12 months. He said, you could either just stay where you are, wait 12 months and then come. Or if you felt God say to come, then just come and get jobs. And, and I remember we felt to just go. And, and I wrestled with it so much. There's nothing wrong with having a normal vocational job. But for me, I felt called to full-time ministry. And now finally, I'm getting paid full-time to work at a church. And, and I've got to give up 
a paid position and go to Townsville of all places and, and just go and get a normal job in a sense. And, and I remember wrestling with it and so many of my friends would be like, why would you leave the Gold Coast? where you're getting paid a great, you know, you're getting paid uh, an income to be in ministry and, and you're just going to Townsville sort of to nothing. And, and I was wrestling with it so much and really what I was wrestling with was the comfort of the boat. I liked the boat that we were finally in. It took a little while to get there, but I liked it. And I remember as I was wrestling, I was listening to a message by T.D. Jakes and he's at Hillsong Conference and he shared about how his mum taught him that that. For all of the kids, before they went to school, they had to be able to count to 100 before they got to school. He said, but when I got to school, I realized you don't need to count to 100. You just got to be able to count to 10 because it just keeps repeating itself over and over again. And he did this thing on the very bottom step of the Hillsong stage. And he got down to the bottom step and he walked on the first step and he went one, two, three, four, and he got all the way to 10. And I remember him standing here at 10 and he said, you know what? He said, most people never become a 20 in life. Because to become a 20, you have to give up being a 10 and go back. And he went to the next level and he said, you've got to give up being a 10 to go back to being an 11 so that you can eventually become a 20. And then he said, you've got to give up to go up. I've never forgotten it. So often we don't go to the next level because we won't let go of the thing that we're holding on to, the boat that we're comfortable with, but actually often you've got to let go of that thing so that you can go to the next level so that you can become what God's called you to be. The second thing is the, the thing that kept the 11 in the boat is that they watched their leader with a spectator mentality. We're not called to be spectators. You know, the way that you come to church, the Bible says the blessing is in being a doer of the word, not a hearer. You can come to church and just be a spectator. You hear great messages from your pastor, but if you're just listening as a spectator, you'll never get the blessing of God. But when you come as a participant, hearing the word, going, yeah, I'm going to do that thing. I'm going to put that into place. You see the blessing of God on your life. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about a great cloud of witnesses. Remember that picture? And it's a picture of you and I running this race in a Colosseum. And all of the, the legends of faith before that are already dead are sitting up in the stadiums. They're watching us as witnesses, cheering us on. See, the only time you're called to ever be a witness is if you've breathed your last breath and you've gone home to be with Jesus. But if you're still on this earth, you're not a witness, you're not a spectator, but you're in the game. You're a participant. You're running the race that God's called you to run. See, they watched, see, the 11, they stood there as spectators. They were all watching Jesus. They're watching, they're like, and they're saying to each other, man, did you know he could walk on water? Have you seen this before? I've never seen, I can't, look at him. I can't believe it. He's literally walking on water. This is amazing. I can't believe he's doing it. He's so good. Jesus is amazing. I can't believe it. See, the 11 were watching as spectators, but Peter was watching the same event unfold, but Peter was watching as a participant. Hang on a minute. If Jesus is walking on water, then why can't I walk on water? If I just do the things that Jesus has done, if I follow the things that he's taught me to do, if I do what he's called, couldn't I just do what he's also doing? See, it's a principle in life. If you want to do better in business, then find a business person that's better than you, but don't watch him as a, or her as a spectator, watch as a participant. If you want to, if you've, you know, someone's got a better marriage than you've got, then get around deliberately those people and make a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to watch your marriage, but not as a spectator, as a participant. If you're going to, if you keep doing that, I'm going to do what you're doing and I'll end up with what you have. You know, the only reason that I stepped out in faith like I did way back then when I was that youth pastor is because a man came to our church from Bogota, Colombia. And he talked about his marriage was... A mess, he had been unfaithful, but he got radically born again, him and his wife. They had a restaurant business, but God said, give it away. They made a decision to serve at their church, a mega church in, in Bogota, Colombia. And they got involved in couples ministry, and for 12 months, no one paid them, he told this story. By faith, they lived. He said he was known by his neighbors as the man in the green suit, because he owned one suit, and it was the suit that he wore every single day. But for 12 months, they just believed God, and after 12 months, they had grown the couple's ministry under them. To, they had 25,000 connect groups under them in this particular city. And it was actually from that moment after that conference, I remember 
going down to the park because I was working as a carpenter and doing youth on the side. And I remember begging God, saying, God, please tell me to quit my job. Just call me to come. He didn't in that moment, but it was about six months later that he said, Lucas, come. See, why did it happen? Because I had watched someone as a participant and then God called me to come. The last thing is this. Now, I might get the keyboarder to come. The last thing, and this is the biggest one I really want to pray into today, is the thing that keeps people in the boat, keeps us, including me, in the boat, is simply fear. Fear keeps us in the boat. Fear keeps us in the boat. See, if you think about it, having a spirit that says, call me to come, really is about having a heart of prayer. You know, like, you're never going to pray crazy, audacious prayers that would involve you doing something crazy if you're ruled by a spirit of fear. You never pray a prayer that says, God, come on, help me to give the biggest miracle offering I've ever given. You don't pray that prayer when fear rules in your heart. See, fear stopped them from getting out of the boat. It so often stops us. You know, the, I know that they were afraid because the Bible says if you were to go back a verse before, it says they, were all, they saw Jesus, they thought he was a ghost, and it says they were all afraid. So fear stopped them from getting out. Fear stops us so much doing all that God's called us to do. But how was Peter different? Because Peter also was afraid. It doesn't say the 11 were afraid, except Peter. He's a man of faith. It says they were all afraid. It's not wrong to experience fear. It's a part of being human. It's just whether we respond out of the fear or out of the faith. See, but what did Peter do different to the other 11? Well, all I know from the text is it says they were all afraid. So there's a moment where all 12 of them are experiencing fear. And then there's a part that happens in between that we can't see. But if you fast forward, you get to this point. So right here, they're all afraid. Then there's this moment where Jesus is walking on the water. But remember it says he took his eyes off Jesus. And he began to sink. So what that actually tells me is somewhere in the in-between... And the thing that Peter did different to get rid of fear is while the, tw- the 11 were afraid, there was a moment where Peter was afraid, but there was a moment where he locked eyes with Jesus Christ, where he locked eyes with the Son of God. He locked eyes with the Savior. And when you lock eyes with Jesus, fear starts to fall to the side and faith starts to fill your heart. See, that's why if you're going to walk on water, prayer is such an important key. I'm being honest with you, I'm praying more than I've ever prayed in my whole life. Why? Because I've got so much fear coming at me. If I don't keep getting up every morning and locking eyes with Jesus, I feel like I'm crazy that I'm moving to America. But i just got to keep waking up each morning and saying, Jesus, I've got to lock eyes with you. Yeah, you said that this is going to happen. See, there was a moment where Peter locked eyes with Jesus. Last story, and then we're going to pray. Remember a powerful time where fear really tried to stop us from going to the next level. I'd been an itinerant for maybe about three or so years. And I had this issue that really came out of a spirit of fear. And I would put a lot of pressure on Jackie to get a certain amount of work. She was a relief teacher. And there's nothing wrong with a husband and a wife both working. Nothing wrong with that. But for our particular family with me traveling all over the world. Sometimes at its worst, I'd be gone for 15 days, home for two, gone again for 13 days, back for a week, away for the weekend. And Jackie was really graced to be able to handle that season. But the thing that would sort of just flick her a bit out of balance is that then I'd put this pressure about relief teaching. Have have you rang enough schools? Are you getting enough work? Have you tried hard enough to get out there? And it would just be for us, it'd be the thing that sort of just like, was too much. I'm away. She's with two crazy kids. Yes, I said crazy, Carl. Anyway, and it'll be the, the thing that sort of just clicked us out of balance. And, and it came out of a thing of fear that God wouldn't provide. We needed more. One day we're watching a video series we felt to watch by Robert Morris, who teaches about the blessed life. And he teaches about giving. We watched a whole series on giving. What a stupid thing to do. You're just going to have to give your money away at the end. You know that's what's going to happen. 
But even that comes out of a spirit that says, call me to come. You only watch a video like that if you're a person that says, come on, God, I want to get out of the boat. And I remember he, talked, he spoke about three types of giving, the tithe that belongs to the church, over and above, that you do, you know, for, to support this, to support that. And then he talks about the third type that just happens every now and again, extravagant giving. And we see that in the Bible where the lady has a year's wages worth of perfume and she breaks it over Jesus just to anoint him for burial. That's extravagant. You don't do that often. But he talked about extravagant giving and something in our spirits we just knew. We looked at each other and said, it's time, isn't it? We've always done it for 15 years, just every now and again. Building, offering, missions, things, whatever. And we looked at each other and we said, yeah, it's time. And I said, let's just spend a couple days and we'll pray about what we're meant to do. And in my heart, I said to myself, God, let Jackie be the one to say what it is because it's normally been me in the past. And as soon as I said those words, she pipes up and says, I said that in my head. She goes, I already feel like God's told me what to do. I said, okay. And then in my heart, again, this has just been real and uh, pride. I said to myself, oh God, she'd never do as much as me. And then she says, I feel like God's told me to give my whole year's wages away to help sex slaves. I said, get behind me, Satan. That's from the devil. I didn't really say that. I thought it though. I said, what? The whole, your whole, all of it. So that's what I felt God told me to do. So, and I was already fasting for three days the next day. I said, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast and pray. I just need to hear this as well. And so every time I fast and pray, I try and do like three sessions, breakfast, lunch, dinner, where I pray, when, when normally I'd be eating. And I always pray for brokenness because I feel called to help people out of brokenness, mental addiction, uh, sorry, mental illness, addiction, whatever it is. And so I'm praying the first day, I do my three sessions, like, God, brokenness, help people that are trapped, you know, God, help, you know, lift depression. I'm praying, you know, I'm praying. It normally gets more intense as I go. After the first day of praying, I come back to Jack and I said, look, I feel like you're on the right track, but not the whole year's wage. Let's just, we're going to do a day a week. She could earn about $250 a day. Each week she'd normally earn somewhere between $500 and $750 roughly. I said, well, let's just do a day every week for the whole year. That'd be amazing, like just to give that to help sex slaves. Then I get to my second day and I'm, she goes, yeah, okay, whatever you think. And I get to the second day and I'm praying. I do my three sessions. God, brokenness. I get to my third day and now it's getting in town. I'm going, God, people that are broken. God, please use me to help them. And I get to the last session, the ninth one, and I am weeping. I'm, li- I'm just bawling my eyes out for people that are trapped and broken and in prison. And as I'm crying for brokenness and people that are trapped, it's like I have this moment where I realize that here I am desperately praying for brokenness and my wife wants to give her whole year's wages a way to help people be free from brokenness. And now I'm crying and I don't know if I'm crying because of brokenness or the fact that I realize we're going to have to give our whole year's money away. <laughs> I went back to Jackie and I said, hey, you were right, I feel like that was, that was God. And it was term two, so it was just like three terms worth. And for that whole term, every week, whether it was 500, 700, 900, whatever, every fortnight we would tithe, because that belongs to the house, and then we'd give the whole rest of it, 90%, away to 821. And we'd just send it to them. We did it every week for 10 weeks. But the miracle that actually happened, because I had this major issue that was birthed out of fear, but now, that was gone. Because now, I don't care how many days a week you work. I'm not telling you to make sure you work every day because I'm not getting any of the money. Actually, I reckon you should work a little less. But she just went and worked every week. And like I said, 507, whatever it is a week. It gets to term three. And for the first two and a half weeks of term three, we went on a, our first big overseas trip. We went to Europe. And we had a great time. Went to England and Paris. And we came back. And the thing with relief teaching, if you don't keep saying yes, then they go to the next person on the list and they keep asking them. So we get back week three, no one rings. Week four, no one rings. Week five, week six, week seven. It gets to like week eight or week nine of term three. And I'm like, you haven't worked the whole, like this whole term. And in that moment, we both just knew she wasn't meant to work. You know, from that moment, And you might say, well, you didn't give the full amount, but in here we did. And before God, we made a decision that this whole year is for you. You know, from that moment that we made that decision, what I was earning 
went up more than the amount that Jackie was earning and we didn't change one single thing. See, but fear, fear would have kept us in that area and who knows where my marriage would have ended up because I responded out of fear instead of faith. Come on, fear stops us. God's got so much for you in 2017. You ain't seen nothing yet. He has got water for you to walk on. He's got business people in this. You might have one business. He wants you to have three businesses. You might have a certain amount of income. He wants you to have a a major amount of income that you would resource. the. I'm telling you, God has got water for you to walk on. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter how smart you are. God has called you to walk on water. And when we smash fear and say, I'm not letting fear stop me in 2017, you'll start to walk on water. And it will result in other people declaring that truly He is the Son of God. They'll worship Jesus because of the steps of faith that you've taken into the kingdom of God. I'm going to pray for people in just a moment. But before I do that, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, maybe someone brought you along, you've never, ever given your life to Jesus. In just a moment, like me, 15 years ago, it was the very first time I did it. I'm going to help you to pray a real quick, simple prayer to invite God, a loving God, into your heart. But there'll be other people in this room, and you've done this before, but for whatever reason, you've found yourself away from God. And today's the day that you know at the end of the year you're drawing a line in the sand to say, I'm going to give my life back to God and I'm going to start to live for Jesus. I want to pray for those two groups of people. One, you've never done this before. Well, two, you have, but you know in your heart of hearts you're just not right with God. With every eye closed, every head bowed. If you'd say, Lucas, can you include me in your prayer? Then when I get to three, I want you to lift your hand. I'll see it. Then you can put it down. I'll include you in the prayer that we're going to pray. Every eye closed, every head bowed. One, friend, I tell you, he loves you more than you've ever dreamed or imagined. Two, it doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you are. You're God's precious son or precious daughter. Three, all over this place. Can we lift you out of heaven right now? Yeah, I'd love to pray for you, sir. Yeah, I'd love to pray for you there as well. So good. Come on, someone else, just saying yes. Just saying yes to the love of God. Two people already. Yeah, I saw that over here as well. Yeah, I'd love to pray for you today. Three people. Come on, someone else. Someone else. Come on. Someone else. Spirit of God. That's three people. Someone else. Just saying yes. Come on, your heart's beating. Yeah, I got you over here too. I'd love to pray for you today, sir. Someone else. Yeah, is that a hand there as well? No, you're just yawning. Yeah, hand right there. I'd love to pray for you as well. So good. Come on, someone else. Just saying yes. Friend, he loves you so much. He loves you so much. Last time I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray for these four or five people. Is there someone else that would join them this morning? Just for those four or five, just lift your hand one more time because I don't want to miss one person. Yeah, I've got a lady here, over here, lady over there, two people right here, young guy right there, gentleman over here. So good. So good. So proud of you. I'm going to leave them in their seats. Is that okay? So I can have, yeah. Here's what I want to do. You can put your hands down. For those six or seven people, I want you to pray these words with all your heart. You're going to ask God to come and live on the inside. But as a church family, we're going to pray the prayer with you because we're going to celebrate this awesome moment of you giving your life to Jesus Christ. Is that okay, church? Come on, let's all pray it together. But for those seven, mean it with all your heart. Say, Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sins. Today, I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm not going to take long, but I just want to pray into the message that we've just spoke. Can everyone just stand to their feet just for a moment? Like I said, another five or so minutes, five minutes will be done. Just want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, here's what I felt to do. And this, this might be everyone in the room. But if you feel like, I really felt this, I feel like there's an authority for this. If you feel like there's fear that's stopping you from stepping out of the boat, then I want you to lift your hands to heaven right now. Yeah, whole heap of people. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven right now. Because I I just feel like there's going to be an authority to break that off your life right now in the name of Jesus, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but He's given you a spirit of power. He's given you a, a spirit of love and of a sound mind. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I break the power of fear today in the name of Jesus Christ. 
I, I just feel even right now, anxiety is lifting off people's lives. It's a spirit that has not been given to you by God. And I command that that spirit would get off of you in the name of Jesus Christ. I command it release in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you so much for your power. God, I just break fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for this wonderful woman right now, God. I thank you. I break the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 I just see you walking and dancing on water. I see you. Seriously, I see you dancing on water. God's calling you to do great and mighty things. And I see you dancing on the water. Dancing on the water. Father, I thank you for faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Holy Ghost. God, for every person that would struggle with fear, I see it broken today in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. There it is. There it is. I tell you, I tell you, it's just being broken. Being broken in the name of Jesus. Anxiety will be no more in the name of Jesus. No more. Holy Ghost, I just feel like depression as well. I see depression lifting off people's lives. Just lifting off. Just lifting off right now. I feel that so strong. There's someone, and yeah, it's been like there's been a cloud of depression that just follows you around, but right now it's lifting off in the name of Jesus. It's lifting off in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now. Come on, every person, lift your hands to heaven. God, I pray right now in this moment, with your eyes closed, God, that it, as we think of this message, I pray right now, that you would speak to every single person about 2017. That you would speak about the water that they had to walk out onto. God, that you would speak to business people. There it is, I can feel it. That you would speak to families. Come on, just take a moment to pull from him right now. I tell you, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here. Spirit of God, there it is, there it is, there it is, there it is, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, Spirit of God, there it is, I can feel it, I'm telling you, I can feel it, just take it, just take the word from it, take the word from it, take the word from him in the name of Jesus, 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 just take it, I tell you, he's got it, it's for you, I'm telling you, I can feel it, I can feel the words of Jesus saying, come, 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 come. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you so much. Can I pray for you, sir? Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you for your son. You know, I just feel like God is calling you out, out onto the water. And I don't know if this is to be true, but I feel like maybe you might be a person that needs to know all the, all the details first. But I feel like God is saying that you're not going to know all the details. You know, I feel like that you might be a person that sort of needs to see A, B, C, D, one, two. You know, it all needs to be sort of lined up and in a row and then I can make a decision. And, and that's a gift of God that's on your life. But I feel like God's calling you out onto the water. But he just says, son, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. You're not going to see every step in front of the next. You're just going to see the next step. You're just going to see the next step. And sometimes it's not even going to fully make sense. Sometimes it's going to look like, why in the world would I, I tell you? But I, there's, God's got an incredible faith-filled adventure ahead of you. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Father, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much. Holy Ghost, just for the, the lady with the black dress and the blonde hair, you lift your hands to heaven. Holy Ghost, you've just got an incredible gift of faith on your life. You carry a gift of faith on your life. And it's something that God has put in you. Holy Spirit, Father, just come out the front. Quickly come out the front. I'm going to pray for you. Just, just one, two more minutes, Max. Holy Ghost, Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much. God, I thank you so much. Just lift your hands to heaven, Father. God, for your precious daughter today. For your precious daughter today. There it is. The power of God's all over you. You, you, I tell you, you, you've got... Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. You've got such a gift of faith that God has put on the inside of you 
And you are going to do, I'm telling you, you're going to do incredible things. There's ministries that are on the inside of you that are going to be unlocked. And, and even I feel like there's sort of been of your past, there's been so many naysayers. There's been people that are like, no, she could never do that or she won't be able to do that. But I tell you, God is going to show you off like a trophy of His grace. And people are going to be astounded. There's going to be people that, that, that even said words like, well, she won't amount to much. But I tell you, they're, they're going to be stopped in their tracks when they see the things that you are going to do for the kingdom of God. There is a spirit of faith that's in you. It's on you. It, it wasn't just, uh, you know, it wasn't your own imagination, but God put it on the inside of you. And He's calling you to step out of the boat. He's calling you to step out of the boat. He's calling you to step out of the boat. Holy Ghost, you're going to walk on water. You're going to walk on water. You're going to walk on water. And there's going to be so many people that worship Jesus and declare truly He's the Son of God. Father, bless your daughter. Bless your daughter. Bless your daughter. Come on, just one last thing. Come on. Come on right now. Just let, come on, let's not do it. Just call out on His name. Come on. Come on. Come on, let's worship Him. He's so good. Come on. Come on, He's got so much for you in 2017. So much for you in 2017. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I'm going to hand over in one second. Just come on, I just feel it. One more. Come on, let God speak to you. The greatest way that this message today that I could have fulfilled my assignment is if you heard the words come and knew what it meant. And then as you step out on the water in 2017, and miracles start to unfold. Father, in the name of Jesus. There it is, I tell you. There it is. There it is. I just feel it. Father's just calling people to come. 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 There's a new adventure. There's a new beginning. Holy Spirit, calling people to come. Holy Spirit, call them just, just for the man right in front of me in the middle with the beard and the, and the sort of checkered shirt. What's his name? Wayne. Lift your hands to heaven, Wayne. Holy Ghost, I feel it. God's calling you to come. God's calling you to come. And I don't know, I don't know if, uh, I don't know what you do. I don't know anything about you. But I feel like there's something new coming in 2017. And I don't know if it's sort of like, you know, because sometimes you've already got what you're doing and then God adds something to it. So I don't know if it's something like that or whether it's just a completely new adventure. It could be either. But without a doubt, there's something new that you're going to do in 2017 that you've never done before. I feel like, I feel like in the realm of vocation, there's just something new that, that's going to take you to a whole nother level. It's going to take you to a whole nother level. It's going to take you to a whole nother level. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Wayne. Holy Spirit, I thank you for him, God. God, I see him walking on the water. I see him walking on the water. I see him walking on the water. And I just even see moments where you'd almost be like me, laying in bed going, God, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? But I tell you, God says, trust me. Trust me, Wayne. Trust me. Trust me. Watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. Holy Spirit, I even see you testifying at the end of the year, testifying about God's goodness in 2017. Father, bless your son. God, I just thank you so much for every person in this place. God, we see fear broken and we declare over 2017 that it is a year of faith. It is a year of walking on water. It is a year of increase in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' one. Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, let's shout him down. Come on, let's shout him down in this place. Come on. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.